Thank you for choosing to listen to this podcast. My name is Nick Smith and I'm part of the leadership team of Champions Church Skipton. I hope and pray you will enjoy, be inspired and challenged as you hear what God has to say to you today. Wow, what amazing, amazing uh, worship this morning. Phenomenal songs chosen today. Obviously, it's not us to choose them. It's definitely God that's choosing this lot. Really excited to be here today and preach. It feels like a long time since I was last uh, speaking uh, from here. And uh, I want to take an opportunity to thank all of those people that have supported me and uh, showed me great love over the last couple of months. This is what church does. It's a family. So I'm going to pray. Father... I thank you for this time together. I thank you for the people you brought here today. Our family, you know, whether we are regulars or family from a different church or family from the community coming for the first time. Thank you for the family you brought here today, Father. I just pray that as uh, we uh, hear from your word this morning, you will speak to each of us today. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. So I stood up here back in January, one Sunday, I think I was leading, and I shared a little bit of scripture from Isaiah, and I said, I'm going to come back and I'm going to preach on this in a couple of weeks' time. Well, that didn't happen at that time, but God put a message on my heart, and there's a message that I wanted to share still today, though I will tell you it's grown a little bit on the journey. Today, I've called my message, Living in His Promise, or what I wanted to call it was Pitching Your Tent. So before I start, anyone here like camping? Anyone feel like they're campers? Fantastic. A few of you. Not everyone likes camping. Not Paul, he doesn't like camping. Now it wouldn't really probably surprise you to know that me and Ruth like camping. You're probably also thinking that it's Ruth that knows what she's doing (laughs) and generally I'm carried along. But I will say I've done a bit of camping in my time and I know how to pitch a tent. I know how to look for the right spot, I know it needs to be flat, I know it needs to be sheltered. And I've had plenty of times with Ruth putting up tents of various sizes from small two-man tents to what we have now, which is that kind of family tent you get that has ridiculously complicated bedroom compartments and bendy poles that is a real test of a relationship. It goes alongside canoeing a river in the same canoe, maybe riding a tandem, and I will add, trying to tile a bathroom when your wife is seven months pregnant. They're all tests of a relationship. What's happened to the old aluminium poles put together? Uh, they've all gone, Paul. They've all gone. Yes. Now, my wife is a phenomenal kind of outdoor type. She was an outdoor instructor for many years. And she once told me a story about a mountain leader assessment you do. Now, when you get to a certain level and you're leading groups in the mountains, you have to be qualified. That probably goes without saying. Now, when they do a mountain leader assessment, they take them away for a period of time. They're away for a week in the mountains and they've got to do various assessments. And so this particular time, they were doing night navigation in, uh, in the in mountain Stenodia in, in Clamberis. And it was windy, it was raining, it was pitch black. And I suppose that's all what they wanted to be like. But they got back to their tents where they pitched four or five tents. And there was one tent space very clearly missing in the middle of this group of tents. Now, it wasn't Ruth's tent. She was very quick to tell me that. But this guy looked around and went, the tent's gone. I don't know if he passed the assessment or not. And Ruth said there was quite this awkward moment where he was like, can I share a tent with somebody? So he had to kind of bunk down with a few other people. Now, that tent may have been set up well in his opinion, but evidence would suggest that when the storm came, it didn't stand the test. In fact, the story goes on the next day, they found that tent further down the valley in a stream, very broken. So today you might already have guessed, but I'm going to read a passage 
that I love from Isaiah 54. So it's Isaiah 54. Sing, O barren woman, for you never bore a child. Burst into song, shout for joy, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of, her hus- than of who has a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid. You will not suffer shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth. And remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. The Lord will call you back. As if you were a wife deserted and distressed in spirit. A wife who married young only to be rejected, says your God. For a brief moment I abandon you, but with deep compassion I will bring you back. In a surge of anger, I hid my face from you for a moment. But with everlasting kindness, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I've said this before, but one of the things I love about preparing a message, and I do thank Michael for three years ago saying you could preach, and he said, no, no, that's not for me. It's not my gifting. But I love the challenge and the stretch And I love that when you prepare a message and you look at a passage that you have read many times before, God brings stuff to you in different ways. I learned so much personally by asking God what he wants me to say and really studying his word. So when I said to you a couple of months ago, I'm going to preach on this passage, I was going to preach to you on verse 2. Enlarge the place for your tent, stretch your curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. I told you before, I know about camping, and that felt like a good thing to preach on. It's a great verse. It's something that as leaders in many different walks of the Christian world have referenced. It's something that we, as a leadership team here at Champions Church, have felt God so over us. But preparing for today, I looked at this with different eyes. I was drawn to the context and the reasons why they were being told to do this. God had other ideas for my message. Although don't worry, some of that original tent stretching plan is going to be there. So if you don't know much about Isaiah, Isaiah was an Old Testament prophet. He lived about 700 years before Jesus. A prophet is someone who speaks on behalf of God. Sometimes for telling the future, but always proclaiming God's truth. Isaiah, it's fair to say, is a famous prophet. He influenced kings. He spoke about justice and righteousness. And some of the most famous prophecies in the Old Testament, uh, he had two. He predicted the virgin birth of Jesus in Isaiah 7:14, And the fact that he would suffer and die for our sins in Isaiah 52 and 53. All 700 years before Jesus was born. Isaiah is the most quoted prophet in the New Testament. And it's also the most quoted, the second most quoted scripture, second to Psalms in the New Testament. Isaiah spoke on behalf of God. And it's a passage I love, but when you really start digging into the meaning behind it, there is so much to it. 
This was a message to remind Israel of the promise over them. That their descendants would number more than the stars. In verse 1, Isaiah is talking about the promise given to Abraham and Sarah. That in her old age, not only would she experience the miracle of having a child. When she had been able to do so for so long. But that her offspring will be more than the stars of the sky. In fact, Paul, the apostle, references that in Galatians, Galatians 4, 26 to 28. But the Jerusalem that is above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, be glad, barren woman, you who never bore a child. Shout for joy and cry aloud, you who are never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. Now you, brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. And I'm going to come back to that last verse. In verse 1, Isaiah is reminding them about a promise over a nation. And in verse 2, my tent making verse, Isaiah is telling them how to respond to that promise. And I've never read that passage like this before. Isaiah is saying, remember what God promised you, and this is how you should act. If you're going to grow in numbers, you need more space. You need to strengthen and be ready. You need to expect to grow and act accordingly. He is reminding them what they have been told and telling them what to do about it. Now, I will come back to that tent. But first, and my first point today, is living in the promise. When the Apostle Paul referenced it, as I made a point of earlier in Galatians, he said, now you, brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. And he was talking to us too. We are children of promise. We are children of God's promise, spiritual descendants. We are all children born with God's promises all over us. That's good, isn't it? Good. I wonder, if we took a moment to think about it, what are some of the promises that God has for us? Now, there's lots. But I'm going to ask you, why don't you call out some of the promises that God has for us? Anyone brave? I will never fail you or forsake you. Brilliant. Unfailing love. Unfailing love. Any else? Salvation. Salvation. It's faithful. Healer and provider. Fantastic. There are loads. There are absolutely loads, and I know that out there, you're just trying to think of which one to shout out, but there are loads of promises in God's word. And I chose just a few. I am forgiven. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I am a child of God. 1 John 3. The Father has loved us so much that we are called children of God, and we really are his children. I have a purpose Exodus 9.16, but I've raised you up for this very purpose, that I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. I am empowered, Acts 1.8, but you will receive power and the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. There are more promises. God has more for me. God hears my prayer and they keep going on. We can only take a few out of the list as we don't have time to list them all. One of the amazing things about being a Christian is the amount of promises God has for us in his word. It's good to take some time to go back and remind ourselves of those promises. God has promised that from a couple who could not have children will come a nation who number more than the stars in the sky. And you can sense that Isaiah was saying, act like it. Act like the promise God has for you. 
How do we live in God's promises? I am a child of God. Act like it. I am forgiven. Act like it. I'm, I have an awesome creator, God, who listens to my prayer. Act like it. I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit. Act yes. like it. And I think in verse 2, Isaiah goes in to give a framework of how to live in God's promise. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. There are three clear themes in just that little verse. And this, remember, was going to be my whole message a couple of months ago, so I've had to cut it back a little bit from what I was thinking. So firstly, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch the tent curtains wide. To get the most out of a tent, and you might have been there yourself, you have to really stretch out the bottom bit, the ground sheet. If you've got a more modern tent, it's attached to the walls. You stretch it too far, and things happen with the shape. That's not quite God's message. But we need to stretch it out. We need to create the most space inside. You pull the walls as far as you can because you know you're going to fill it. You look at your car that's completely rammed with stuff. And you look at your tent, think I've got to get that into there. Certainly in our experience. And this is what God is saying to us. Expect to be filled and to grow. Isaiah was saying to them, if you are living with the awesome promise over you, expect to grow and make space to do so. Often this has been spoken over churches, grow in numbers. You know, stretch out your tent peg, stretch out your cords, stretch out your tent. I'm saying the words wrong now, but it doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying. But I think this is equally relevant to you and to me. If we really understand the promise God has given each of us, if we want to grow in our faith and our relationship with God, we have to create space and be expectant of growth. We have to stretch out our tent. And that is a whole message in itself. How are you stretching your tent? I mean, we can quickly, we can look at it. How do we create space and expect growth in our lives that are full of distraction? You, can make, you cannot make your day longer, but you can make space for God to spend longer in your day. You can't make your day longer, but you can make space for God to spend longer in your day. What could you do to create more space? When you do... God and you give the space to God he will fill it and you with the realization of his promise for you a second theme stretch out your cords now I've done a fair bit of camping as I've said a few times I'm trying to justify the fact that it's not just Ruth and when you walk around a campsite you become very aware of guy ropes especially at night time when you're trying to find the toilet you have to negotiate them and it can be a nightmare they make you very aware of the tents that you're passing when I pitch this in my head, when I think of the passage that Isaiah is talking about, I imagined a great marquee. Those ones that remind me of scout camps in very wet fields in my youth. A marquee with great guy ropes, strong cords going in all directions from it. The ropes give the tent strength by anchoring it to the ground some distance from the body of the tent. If the storms come, it's those anchor points away from the main tent that protect it. What do we do to anchor ourselves away from our tent? As I was thinking about this, I thought of a few ways. But I want, to go, I want you to go away. I want you to think about this too. It could be at the church. We can anchor ourselves being a regular part of a church where we can make an intentional effort to be with God's people in his presence. That's an anchor point. 
It could be a small group of brothers and sisters, a life group, a woman's group, or even a men's group, because that's coming, by the way, that we anchor ourselves into. It could be creating relationships in your life with Christians, Christian brothers and sisters that you can be completely yourself with, who you can pray with and be accountable to. And I praise God for people that I can anchor my life to in this church, even if that sometimes comes with silly WhatsApp videos. That's okay. Equally, I think it's important to send those cords out into your community. Anchor your tent where you live. By that I mean tell them what you believe. Let them become aware of your tent and be drawn to it when they are negotiating the campsite. When the storm comes, let people see your tent anchored in your community. And I give, think this gives us another great framework as we live in God's promise for us. You have to reach out and you have to anchor. And thirdly, strengthen your stakes. Is in some ways similar, but I think it has a different point. When you strengthen your stakes, you dig them down deep. You surround your tent with stakes to make sure it's secured where it's supposed to be. I start to think about what does that look like for me when I'm strengthening my stakes? If I'm pitching my tent to show I'm living in God's promise, my stakes has to be my personal relationship with God. Spending time reading his word, learning his scripture is a stake strengthened. Spending time in prayer throughout my day, making God part of my whole life, not just a pre-meal moment or a bedtime bookend. By natural, ongoing conversation, I have strengthened my stakes. If I make my life Christ-centered, I will strengthen my stakes so that when the storm comes, my tent doesn't blow down the valley and end up in a ditch. And it's something I've experienced personally. You know, the last couple of months, I've had some of the hardest times of my life. But spending time in God's word, spending more time with him, worshipping him, my, my tent has been strengthened. Jesus told another story to show this picture in Matthew 7, 24 to 27, a famous story you'll all know, I'm sure. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain comes down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. Amen. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. You can replace rock with sand, you can replace house with tent, because it fits my message better. <laughs> But Jesus says how you build shows that you have listened to his words and acted. Pitching your tent is something you have to do intentionally well. And if we build it on poor foundations, tent or house, having weak stakes or foundations, the sand will not help you. In verse 4 it says in Isaiah 54, you will spread out to the right and left. He is telling us, if we really live as if we know the promises God has for us and pitch our tent accordingly, we will grow. Often when we read this passage, we stop there. We like the tent bit. We like the growy bit. And we stop there. But I want to read verses 4 to 8 before I finish today. If I can. Isaiah 54, 4 to 8. Do not be afraid. You will not suffer shame. 
Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. The Lord will call you back as if a wife deserted and distressed in spirit, a wife who married young only to be rejected, says your God. For a brief moment I abandon you, but with deep compassion I will bring you back. In a surge of anger I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. You will forget the shame of your youth. It feels like a change of topic, but it's completely related. We have been reminded there are many promises from God for us. And we have been shown how we should act to grow, to anchor, to strengthen. That we remember those promises. But then it talks about, do not be afraid. You will not suffer shame. Forget the stuff you've done before. I will bring you back. With everlasting kindness, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. And I think this is so important. If we believe what Jesus did for us, died to take away the bad stuff we have done, we are completely forgiven. Completely forgiven. It is a key promise that God gives us. That when we ask for his forgiveness, we are forgiven completely. It says in the Bible that God keeps no record of wrongs. It says that in 1 Corinthians 13.5. God loves us completely. And that means when we turn to him, he wipes the record books clean. But do we? Do we wipe the record books clean? And that is linked to how we live, remembering God's promise over us. And again, it could be a significant message in itself. I joke with Michael that maybe I need a series on this. Yeah, never, never say that to a pastor. If we live a life that shows God's promise in our life, if we pitch our tent correctly, then it goes right with that. That we have to live a life that has moved on from our past. It's easy to dwell, to feel guilt, to feel bad about what we have done. But it's only us that is doing that. And I'm talking to myself as well. God keeps no record of wrongs. God keeps no record of wrongs. In this passage, we are being reminded of that. To truly live in God's promise, we have to let it go. To give it to God and he will wipe it clean. I'm going to pause there and say if that is something that has challenged you this morning, whether you want to pray, whether you want prayer to deal with stuff, or even if you haven't made that decision yet to give your life to God and ask his forgiveness, do not leave here till you have. Yes. What an amazing promise we have on our life that we can give it to God and we are forgiven completely. Amen. Don't leave here unless you've done that. But I'm going to summarize. You are children of God, and God has many promises over your life. You are forgiven. You are worthy. You are loved by God. You are empowered. God hears you when you talk to him. You have a purpose. Live your life like you are living in those promises. <coughs> Make space to grow. Anchor yourself in church with others who follow God. Strengthen your stakes. Spend time in God's word. 
Make prayer a natural part of your day. And most importantly, if you have turned your life to Jesus, if you have asked God to forgive you, if you have asked Jesus into your life, you need to get over your past. Because God already has. Father, I want to thank you. You're a God of promise. I want to thank you, God, that cares about us. That you love us completely. That you did so in such a way. You sent your son to die for us. So that whatever we have done, it doesn't matter anymore. If we turn to you, we are forgiven. That when you forgive us, you forgive completely. There's no record book hidden under the desk. It is wiped clean. Father, thank you that you put people around us, church, friends, that we can be strong with, that we can anchor ourselves to. Father, I pray as we go today that you will reveal more of your promise to us. Help us to remember the promise you've made and help us to live in that promise every day. Amen. Amen. Well, there you go. Thank you for taking the time to listen. I hope you've been moved by what you've heard today. We would love to hear from you at Champions Church. Please look us up on Facebook at Champions Church Skipton and drop us a message. I'll speak to you again soon.